Okay, boys and girls, there's a guy sitting behind the microphone at the Rock and Roll Garage, and his name is Uncle Jimmy. And you know what he's going to do today? He's going to bring you Grease the Wheels, the podcast. The podcast for automotive technicians that'll possibly help you do your job a little better, maybe feel a little better about what you do, maybe make you feel like you're not so alone. You are not alone. There's a lot of us out there. There just aren't enough of us out there, which is an excellent situation for us to be in, boys and girls. That's right. I've talked about it a million times. Let me touch on it real quick before I get started on today's subject. Uh, As more and more of us decide to get the fuck out of this business, the supply of technicians becomes lower and lower and lower. And yet the demand increases daily. the, The demand increases. And nobody who has a job trying to figure this out has actually figured it out yet. Okay, look forward to that being a subject of an upcoming podcast, because guess what? Your Uncle Jimmy has some answers for these fucking short-sighted, ignorant fucks. All right. All right. Listen, today I want to talk to you about service advisors. Speaking of short-sighted, ignorant fucks, uh, I I was recently lamenting the fact that the service advisors I have can't sell shit. They can't. Well, they, they can't sell anything. I shouldn't say they can't sell shit. Be in the improper terminology to use, boys and girls. Um, and so I thought what I would do is look up what the uh, job description is for a service advisor, because these are always fun to fun to read. Okay, they're fun to read at least for me because there's a job description out there for every job in the world. There's a best practices for everything that everybody does everywhere. Everybody has everything figured out. Did you know that? Um, if you haven't known that. Let me just tell you that right now. Everything in the world, every fucking thing in the world has been figured out. You cannot find one thing on this planet, living or dead or inanimate, that hasn't got a name. And I mean, some of the shit's ridiculous. Everything has been figured out. Everybody knows at some point in time, everybody's figured out what to do in a certain situation. Here's the fucking problem is that nobody's told some of these people. And this is where service advisors come in. Nobody has told them how to do what they need to do. Nobody. Okay. They show up bright-eyed and bushy-tailed on the first day and 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 somebody who who's probably either too busy or can't be bothered, aims them at a desk and says, here, help the customers out. And they're like, uh, how am I supposed to do this? And then they just look at them and go, figure it out. You can figure it out. You'll figure it out. And then I find a lot of times that they don't figure it out. Okay. But uh, here's the actual job description. As I'm reading it off the internet, this is a June 2019 job description for service advisors. And I'm going to read it verbatim. A service advisor typically works in a car dealership and acts as a liaison between customers and the service technicians. Okay, yes, that's what they should do. Uh, The service advisor communicates with customers to determine their vehicular problems. It sounds almost unlawful, doesn't it? Vehicular problems. And the repair timeline and provides the technician with accurate repair descriptions about the customer's concerns. Now, there's one word in there that I'm taking umbrage at, uh, and I'm not very happy with the use of it, not particularly in this case, but in the case of all the people that I've worked with. It says, provides the technicians with accurate repair descriptions. Well, let me tell you something here. I don't want and or need a service advisor to accurately tell me what the repair descriptions should be. I would like for them to accurately tell me what the customers concerns are okay 
I don't need I don't need a service advisor to diagnose from the chair and tell me what he thinks is wrong. I don't need to know that at all. As a matter of fact, I would prefer he don't tell me anything like that. All I want is for him to tell me what the customer's concern is. The cu- if the customer would really and regardless of whatever the customer says, just write that down. That's all you got to write down. The customer states the car starts and runs for five minutes and it shuts off and he has to wait another five minutes and then it'll start back up and then he goes about his day and it doesn't happen again the rest of the day. Boom. That's it. He doesn't have to say to me, oh, well, you know, the customer, you know, the customer hasn't put gas in the car in six years or it's an electric car and he's not charging it or it has flat tires or the batteries that he doesn't need to diagnose the fucking thing. I will do that. Okay. That's kind of my job. It's kind of your job. It's what we do. So I don't need accurate repair descriptions. I need accurate customer concern descriptions. That's what I need. Okay. So here you go. This is where this is where it all goes awry. This is where it all goes awry because nobody, first off, and I've talked to many service advisors about this, nobody has ever given them a really clear idea of what they need to do. And if they don't know, they'll just make it up. And if they make it up, they're going to probably make it up wrong. And eventually what ends up happening with most service advisors, and I mean most because I've, we just, I don't know about you folks out there, but the shop I'm in, we've been, we have been burning through them. I mean, they have, I mean, it's almost like a concentration camp where they spend a, a month, maybe two, and next thing you know, they're taking a shower and we're sticking their corpses in the oven and they're gone. I mean, it's that bad. It is, it is, it is Holocaust-like the way we are burning through advisors. And each and every one of these advisors, and I'm not shitting you when I tell you that each and every one of these advisors shows up, comes in, drops off an application, goes through the interview process, and gets hired and is actually excited and anxious to do the job. And it takes us, it's record time where we are beating them down so badly, almost immediately. We're beating them senseless to the point where they have to leave. One guy lasted a week and a half. There's been other people who have been so poorly trained and so poorly managed that they just stop coming in. And there's been a couple of rage quits in there. It's like they just, they're not, they don't want to, they get to the point. They come in and they want to do the job. They're excited about it. And of course, you know, in the interview, they were they were informed that, you know, if, you, if you're successful as a service advisor, you can make $100,000 a year. Or you can even make $120,000, $130,000 a year. Yeah, if somebody would just show me the fucking basics you know, a lot of times, I think management feels like a service advisor should know what they're going to be doing before they even show up. And they should know how to handle the uh, ERO system, the computer system that we have, and all the ancillary bullshit that goes along with that. And there's absolutely no fucking way. There are so many different things that go on just with the computer setup that they have up front, just with the, with the uh, technology that they have to deal with to write up an RO, to put these people in a loaner car if they're repair is going to take too long there's just too much it's too fucking much you really almost have to have like they do in baseball like a farm system and then major leagues okay i think what you need to do is you need to have uh maybe uh, depending on the size of your shop you need to have one or two or maybe up to 10 full-time regular all-star major league service advisors and then you have to have a farm system you have to have trainees who can learn at the feet of these people who do the job well. The problem is, at least in my particular situation, we don't have any major leaguers. We don't have any major leaguers. We have a couple of guys who do the job well. We have, and then the rest of them, 
I am not sure about them at all. I'm not sure about them. I don't, you know, the enthusiasm seems to, uh, the enthusiasm seems to wane on a daily basis to the point where they would rather gouge their eyes out than to actually talk to a customer, or they would rather, you know, uh, uh, have bamboo shoots stuffed under their fingernails before they could talk to a technician. You know, they just don't want to do that. And what happens then, this is a situation where this is never going to be good, where a service advisor doesn't want to be there because a customer, you know, if a customer comes in, he's got a broken car and he either drives it in or gets towed in or whatever, and he needs repairs done to his car. Uh, a lot of times we will go in and they just write, all they have to do is write, you know, this, this part is simple. All I have to do is write an arrow with the customer's concern. Customer states car won't start. Boom. There you go. Okay. And then hand it to me. I'll take care of the rest as far as that goes. Now, I think, honestly, that part of the job, fairly easy, fairly easy, okay? It's when the diagnosis is finished is where that job sucks. It's where that job becomes hard. Because one of the first things that a service, that a customer does after they've brought their car in is they wait about 10, maybe 15 or 20 minutes and they start asking questions. Now, if they're there in the building, they'll come in and personally ask them, what's going on with my car? When's my car going to be done? When's my car going to be done? If they're not there in person, what they do is they get on the phone. Hey, this is so-and-so. I dropped my car off 20 minutes ago. Uh, when's it going to be done? Okay. Now, a good service advisor will let people know, and sometimes pe customers will let them know too. Say, listen, your car doesn't run. We're going to have to push it into the shop. This takes time. We're going to have to uh, diagnose it. That takes time. And we're going to have to figure out what we need to do to fix it. Guess what? That also takes time. Okay. So as a service advisor, if somebody says, oh, you know, can I, you know, I'm going to call you in 20 minutes and find out what's going on with my car. In 20 minutes, I probably don't even have the fucking car in the shop yet. Okay. A good service advisor will know that. A, a bad service advisor or a service advisor in training, because there's there's two kinds of, there's three kinds of service advisors, ones that don't know shit, ones that know everything, and then service advisors in training. Or in many cases, service advisors who are getting ready to fucking quit. Okay, they need to let the customer know. Say, excuse me, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with what the problem is with your car. Well, no. Okay, then uh, how can you be familiar with how long it's going to take for us to diagnose it? You can't be. So listen, when I tell you that I will call you when I know something, what that means is when I know something, I'm going to call you. That's what that means. That's, there's nothing hiding in that sentence. There's no dual meaning in that. There's no, you know, you don't have to read between the lines. When I know something, I will call you. Okay, but don't look forward to that happening in 20 fucking minutes. Not going to happen. Okay, and the thing is, customer calls you after 20 minutes wanting to know what's going on with their car. You don't have an answer for them because they haven't even brought the fucking car in yet. And then they're going to call you again in 20 minutes because now it's been 40 minutes. And guess what? Still no fucking answer. Okay, because there's a lot of work out there, ladies and gentlemen. And if you're a customer, if you're not a service advisor or a shop manager or a service manager or even a technician and you're listening to this podcast trying to get some insight into this business, let me tell you something, okay? Nothing happens as fast as you want it to. Nothing, okay? And that's true for everybody in the building. The service manager wants everything done immediately. So does the service advisor. The technician would like to be able to die, would like for every problem to be simple and easily diagnosed and guess what 
We get pissed off just like you do. We get pissed off if it's not easy. We get pissed off if it's hard. If we have to pull parts out and do long-term diagnosis on something, we really don't like that that much because time is money. If I can diagnose something quickly and get it repaired quickly and charge you X amount of dollars to fix that, that's the best situation for a service technician that there could possibly be. But if I have to spend one or two or possibly even three or four or more hours diagnosing what's wrong with your car, that's the worst case scenario for everybody involved, okay? Because you're gonna be a pain in the ass about how long it's gonna take. The service advisor is gonna be a pain in the ass to me about how long it's gonna take. And, and the fucking problem is a pain in the ass to me I'll, because I don't know what the fucking problem is and I have to figure it out. And oh, in the meantime, while I'm all scrunched up underneath the fucking car with my hands halfway up its ass, I have to listen to the advisor go, how much longer before we know it's wrong? And then if I have a free hand, if I don't have both of my hands up a car's ass, I pick up something heavy and throw it at him because I hate that worse than anything. Eh, how long is it gonna take? I don't care if the customers say that shit to you. I don't give a fuck, but don't, fucking break my balls for that shit. How long is it going to take? I don't even know what's wrong. So I don't know how long it's going to take. Don't ask me. I even told an advisor, and this is no fucking lie. I told an advisor one time, I was in the middle of diagnosing a car and I was having a really tough time with it. And she kept breaking my balls. How much longer? How much longer? How much longer? And 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 I said to her, I said, she, she finally just said, how long is it going to take? Or uh, who, who knows how long it's going to take? And I said, um, nobody, maybe God. And she just looked at me stunned that I would even say something like that. It's like, look, I don't know what's wrong with it. I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with it. How long is it going to take for me to figure out what's wrong with it? I don't know. Ask fucking God. Ask God. He might know. Go and pray. Get your rosary out and pray. Say, God, how long is it going to take this fucking old bastard to diagnose this car? Well, he's going to discover the problem in 25 minutes, and then he'll let you know in 30, okay? Can you be patient until then, my dear? Okay, why don't you try saying a couple of Hail Marys, go back to the phone and tell the customer that you'll call them when they know, when you know something. Until then, stop fucking calling, okay? All right, three Hail Marys, and then you're out of here, okay? Seriously, I had to say that to her. And that, of course, of course, that's not the answer that, that they wanted to hear. And, and eventually, I never did actually come up with the actual reason why that car didn't run right. Uh, I ended up putting an engine computer in it, and it ran where it didn't run before. So for me to say to you, oh, the engine computer is why it didn't run. I don't know if there was something that took the engine computer out. I don't know what it was. You know why? Because they were breaking my ball so bad about how long it was gonna be. I just said, fuck it, it's the engine computer. Boom, put one in and it fixed it. I got lucky, really, because I didn't do all that much diagnosis to it. I just guessed and guessed right. And I don't like to do that. But hey, you know when I got somebody chomping at my ass, somebody who's riding me like a fucking Bronco, you know, you, you just you just shortchange it and go, yeah, this is it right here. This is it. The most expensive fucking piece in the car. That's it. And you know what? If that doesn't fix it well, then it's a diagnostic tool. So seriously, uh, I, I can't take that shit. So uh, I need service advisors to not do that. Just give me a description of what's wrong and build the customer up. Tell the customer that it's going to be some time before we come back with the pro with a proper diagnosis for what's wrong with their car a lot of times dude you know seriously if you're listening to this you know sometimes i'd say probably 80 percent of the time maybe even higher than that 80 80 to 90 percent of the time we know what's wrong with the car even before we pull it in you write down the car does this we've seen it a thousand fucking times as i've said before when they mass produce the cars they mass produce the problems 
All these cars are so similar. They're built in the same fucking place by the same fucking guy using the same fucking tools and the same fucking parts that when they break after a certain amount of time, you know what's broken. You don't even got to pull it in. But you pull it in and you do your due diligence, you do your diagnostic, and you go, yep, it needs a starter. Just like every other fucking model of this car has in the last six to eight months. And you've done 12 starters that week. Okay, you say it needs a starter, but you have to make sure that you're right because that one time where you go, it's the starter, and you go and put a starter in it and it still doesn't start, you're going to be fucked. You're going to be fucked. So you have to do the you have to do the diagnosis somewhat. But advisors, I don't need for them, I don't need for them to tell the customer, oh, it's probably a starter because if I have the opportunity to be wrong, I will take that on the chin. But if the service advisor's wrong and tells the customer the wrong thing and goes, well, you know what? I to- Remember I told you it was a starter? Well, it wasn't the starter. It ended up being that the, uh, the uh, engine is seized. Oh, yeah, how much more is that? Well, do you want to make that call? No. The worst thing in the world for, for a service advisor, I know, this, I, know, I, know, I know this firsthand, is for them to... Uh, for you to tell them as a technician, for you to tell the service advisor that th- this is the problem with the car, and then they go ahead and sell that job, and you go ahead and you f- you do that repair to the car, and it doesn't fix it. Holy shit, man. I think that there's absolutely nothing they hate worse. There's nothing they hate worse. You know, and you could have the best advisor in the world, and he could be he could be your brother-in-law, he could be your father. But if you do that to them, they are going to fucking hate you. And I have, I have had cases where that's happened. And I think if you're a technician who's been doing this for more than a couple, two, three years, it's probably happened to you at least once where you are wrong. The information that you got to make the decision that you came up with was not correct. And you sold the wrong thing and you did the wrong repair. And maybe, maybe you just fixed the symptom and not the cause. That happens too. But if he has to call the customer back, if your service advisor has to call the customer back and tell them that you were wrong, holy shit, that's not good. Now, we started out talking about service advisors, job description. Uh, Here's some of the responsibilities that they have according to this particular web page that I'm looking at right now. Uh, And some of this stuff is funny as shit, really, because it's wrong. Some of it's fucking straight up wrong. Uh, Number one, obviously, it is something that they need to do. Greeting customers, yes, I agree with that, but that it says directing them to available mechanics, no. No, there are very, 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 very few mechanics who wanna talk to customers. And quite frankly, there's very few mechanics you would want talking to customers. Uh, I'm one of those, uh, I don't like to lie, and I have a tendency to speak my mind, and it's, it, can, it can end up being a terrible thing. I have said things to customers that I wouldn't say to my, my best friends, you know, about their car. So uh, I suggest if you're a service advisor, one of your responsibilities should be directing them not to talk to the mechanics. And in some cases, the customers may say, hey, I want to talk to the mechanic. And you'd be like, uh, yeah, no, uh, I can't think of a worse idea. <laughs> Another one here is says service advisor responsibilities, consulting with mechanics regarding necessary repairs and possible alternatives to expensive repairs. No. No, no, no. I can't agree with that last part. Okay. Consulting with mechanics regarding necessary repairs. Yeah, that's exactly what you're supposed to do. In fact, it's in your name. You're supposed to advise on service. Okay. That's it. Are you supposed to sit up there and do a Nancy Drew and figure out how to find an alternative to an expensive repair? No, that's not your fucking job. 
If I want to, if I look, look, and it happens, okay, but I, I don't think it should. If somebody comes in and says, oh, you know, I need to have this fixed, you should say, okay, well, we need to replace that, okay? Um, are we going to say to people, oh, you know, we can just glue that, or we could just, uh, we could just cut the wires and strip them back and tape them up, and then that thing won't work again? No. No, 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 no. Do not, if you're a service advisor or even a technician, do not ever, A, do that, and B, do not ever recommend that, okay? If somebody wants to cob some shit together, let somebody else cob some shit together, not you. That will ruin your reputation, and it will also ruin your profitability, okay? Because let's say a guy needs a $1,000 repair in his car, but you say, oh, you don't need to do that, or we can just do this, and you can keep driving the car. You're going to end up getting fucked, okay? And I, seriously, right now, I've got a situation situation where I'm getting I'm well I'm not going to get fucked it's not my car I don't really care all that much but here's a situation that is going on right now where the customer uh, wanted to do something or the service advisor or even the service manager mentioned to them that they could do a certain thing and not have to deal with the problem at hand I have a, a hybrid okay and it needs a battery it needs the high voltage battery to the tune of seven grand okay well the car runs okay but the car Runs, it runs and goes, which actually is kind of amazing because a lot of times in these hybrids, if the battery, if the high voltage battery doesn't work, they don't go anywhere simply because the transmission is an e-machine and does things with high voltage and it won't work unless the high voltage is present. This particular car is a very early old school hybrid where the high voltage battery does a couple of things, but it doesn't impede the fact that the car will go forward. It impedes the performance of the car, car actually drives like crap and oh guess what nobody thought about this until the customer tried to turn it on it ran the air conditioning yeah the air conditioning compressor was electric and without the high voltage battery working the air conditioning compressor is not going to work and guess what in texas if the ac doesn't work your car is just about fucking worthless seriously unless of course you want to open a sauna for your friends and have them come with you and we put we put this car back together and got it working to the point where they could drive it as a gasoline powered vehicle. It was no longer really electric powered unless they wanted to spend the seven grand to buy the battery, the high voltage battery, which they didn't want to do. Okay, so they took the car. Did we as as the uh, shop owner, as a technician or the shop manager or as anybody in the building, did we, did we think for one second that the air conditioning was going to be something that would work or not work? Yeah, if we thought about it, we would have said, yeah, it's not going to work. But we didn't. The guy was just trying to get out of buying a $7,000 battery. He wanted to still drive the car. And guess what? He can. And now he realized later that the $7,000 battery is going to rectify the problem with the air conditioning. So he's in a conundrum. And he's blaming us, really, for the fact that his AC doesn't work, which is fine. He can blame whoever he wants. We know the truth. He didn't want to buy something, something that the part that he was going to buy would fix is not working not my fucking problem i'd be happy to put a battery in the fucking car and charge it up and program everything to accept it and uh, but uh he didn't want to do that so guess what no ac for you fuck you okay so i would like to uh admonish you and uh, any service advisor that works for you not to look into possible alternatives to expensive repairs just draw the line and say, listen, if you want your car to work properly, 
If you need an expensive repair, you're going to have to go to the bank and get a loan or maybe rob the fucking thing. But uh, we're not going to provide you with an alternative to spending money with us. Nobody else does that, okay? You don't go to the supermarket and you want to buy an apple and the lady goes, oh, no, these apples over here are cheaper. They're different apples, of course, but they're cheaper. Why don't you go with that? They don't do that. They say, you want to buy this apple? Boom, there it is, 10 cents. Give it to me and you can have it. No problem. They don't fucking tell you, oh, why don't you buy a banana instead? A lot cheaper, Nobody, nobody's going to do that, okay? Nobody's going to do that, okay? So don't don't let your advisor, especially don't let your advisor do that. Even if they were a mechanic, even if they were a technician, even if they went to school to be a technician, even if they worked on a car once in their fucking lives, don't let them fucking do that. Just tell them, say, listen, this is the repair that you need to make. You don't want to make it, just decline it. But I'm not going to give you an alternative to that. I'm not going to let that happen. Here's another one of their responsibilities. Using your knowledge of our products and services to sell or provide in-depth information about available parts and service options to customers. Okay, that I think I, I can agree with that. That's I don't have a problem with that one at all as far as uh, having knowledge of products and services. Uh, have I met a service advisor who is really up to snuff on knowing what products and services that we have? and maybe offering uh, specific parts and service options to customers, yeah, a lot of times they they don't know. They don't know. You know, we give them an estimate, and we want them to just go ahead and sell what's on the estimate. We don't want them to come up with alternatives. Again, they should know what we can do and what, what parts we have and all that, but, you know, I'm going to have to tell them. Uh, here's another one, answering questions about service outcomes and scheduling and booking appointments. Vehicle drop-off and vehicle pickup. Yeah, and therein lies one of the problems uh, with being a service advisor, okay? Because uh, answering questions about service outcomes, yeah, okay, no problem. They could, they should be able to read the job story that the technician writes. If you're a technician out there and you don't write a very good job story, you're kind of handicapping your service advisor. He may not like you. Uh, you know, if somebody comes in and you know says, oh, you know, I, I, I paid, I'm paying all this money for a repair of my car. What you guys actually do? And then you, all you write down as a job story is, I fixed a car, or I repaired it. I changed a part and it works now. That's not, that's not helpful. So you know, maybe here in one of these particular cases, you could help them out a little bit. That would be great probably for everybody involved okay uh as far as uh scheduling and booking appointments i i I feel like in today's world somebody else really needs to do that because advisors are really busy doing a lot of other stuff scheduling and booking appointments should only really be done if you got a hold of a service advisor or they work that you need to have done is going to take a bit of time or if you need a, a loaner vehicle. The part I have a problem with, and, and this is from a service advisor's point of view, which you won't get very often from your Uncle Jimmy, uh, vehicle drop-off and vehicle pickup. Well, here's the deal, okay? People like to get up early, and I hate those fucking people, um, and I'm turning into one of them, so I kind of hate myself for this, but vehicle drop-off and pickup, people like to drop off their car at the crack ass at dawn, and then they want to go to work, However they get there, uh, whether they take one of your loaner cars or they take your shuttle or a friend comes and picks them up or they walk, whatever. And then they need to come back and pick them up. Let's say they're in there for services and maybe they got a part that needs to be changed or or they've special ordered a part or maybe it doesn't start, whatever. You fixed it at 2 o'clock. But they're not going to come in and pick it up until 6 or 5.30 or 6 o'clock. So as a service advisor, if you wrote that IRO, number one, you had to be there at 7 in the morning. And number two, you have to be there at seven at night when they want to pick the fucking thing up. And so that makes your job there at that particular building. It means you have to be there from seven to seven. And I say, loud and proud, fuck that. Who wants to do that? Not me. 
Jesus Christ, bad enough for me that I got to get there at 7.30 and I get to leave at 5.30. That's bad enough, okay? I don't I don't really enjoy those hours all that much. Oh, yeah, and then Saturdays. We already talked about Saturdays. I don't want to fucking do that on a Saturday especially. So that's one of the problems with being a service advisor is having to fucking be there all the time in case your customer shows up. And you know what? The customers are never late. Well, they're late when they want when you want them to pick up. A lot of times they're late because they don't have the fucking money. Uh, that happens too. That's ridiculous. Bring a car to you and you fix it. And then they're like, oh, I don't have the money. Oh, well, your car is going to stay here until you got it. Check ass. Uh, providing customers with information and advice on warranty protections. Yeah, well, I could go on for an hour about warranties. Uh, and I have in the past, but uh, so I'm not going to do it again. But uh, you can't possibly know what's going on with everybody's warranty. I mean, maybe a factory warranty, you might know the ins and outs of that somewhat. But then every manufacturer has their own little used car warranties, their own CPO, certified pre-owned warranties, and they have different levels of those, and they cover different things. And and then I'm finding out lately now that we have other extra care tire options, warranties, and wheel and tire warranties. And it's like, it's like by the time you figure out all the fucking horseshit that goes on with all of these warranties... You've probably already decided to fucking quit. So uh, knowing where, knowing what the information is is probably not as important as knowing where to find out what the information is. And uh, hopefully for you, it's not through another human being because uh, if you have a customer standing in front of you asking you a, a question about a warranty and you normally turn to a guy and ask him and he usually knows the answer and he's not fucking there, then you're done. You're screwed. So you should find out where in your company's uh, database this information lies and be able to get your hands on it immediately. This way you can also to deflect any anger that comes at you. And somebody says, oh, you know, is that covered under warranty? You go, let me just check the guide. And you go in the guide and it just says, no, it says in the guide right here that uh, coincidental damage from driving into a tree is not fucking covered. I'm sorry. If it was up to me, I'd cover it. But uh, the company policy is that you're on your own. Okay. You drove, you drove into a tree. We didn't drive your car into a tree for you. You are the one who's responsible for the damage. You are also the one responsible for paying to have that damage repaired. Unless you have insurance, then there's a that's a whole another ball of wax. That's a whole different podcast, boys and girls. Okay. Uh, managing and overseeing the dealership's workflow and schedule. Yeah, no. Eh. I don't. I don't need a service advisor to do that. There should be a service manager who should be managing and overseeing the dealership's workflow and schedule. And as far as I'm concerned too, uh, a service manager should also be more in tune with the workflow as far as it exists on a daily basis. Should they chop the appointments in half on a specific day? Should they double the appointments on another day? Uh, I think that over time you should fucking Take your head out of your ass and figure out how much work you need to schedule for each and every day. Obviously, if you schedule enough work and there's just a little bit of overlap, I think you're good. If there's no overlap or your technicians are standing around, that's not good. Definitely, uh, you should have somebody whose job it is to manage and oversee the dealership's workflow and schedule who isn't a service advisor. Okay, because if you have a big, if you have a dealership, you should probably have more than one service advisor. And you should probably have at least more than one service manager, but you should have one service manager who oversees what's going in and out of the shop and what the schedule looks like. Uh, one of the other service advisor responsibilities, providing customers with information and advice on warranty protections, already did that. Oh, and the, uh, the advantages of trading in versus fixing their car. Well, I can tell you right now, 
uh, as a technician, it irritates me somewhat when I'm working on a car and it has literally thousands of dollars of repairs that it needs. And then the next person I see is the used car manager or a used car uh, appraiser. Because what that means is that they're going to trade the car in and I'm not going to get to repair that car. I'm not going to get the 13 or 14 hours to reseal the oil pan and do the brakes and the tires on that car. It means that they're going to get out of it and get into a new one that doesn't need any of that shit. And then the dealership is going to get that car and they're probably going to throw it onto probably, if the repairs are horrendous, they're probably going to throw it onto a transport truck and ship it to an auction so that some other asshole can deal with that problem. Not the asshole who owns it now. Uh, it happens a lot. Uh, and I don't hate the used car guys. Uh, it's not that, you know, it's not a personal thing. But when they come out, I think to myself, because I don't like to hammer on them too much. They're nice guys. But I think to myself, fuck, there's another car I'm not going to be fixing, you know. So sorry about that one. If that one was loud, let me get to the end of this list and I'll stop this podcast because it's going long. And there's certain stuff you can trim out of it, I hope. Eric, here's another one. This one is actually probably the most important one. Uh, Maintaining positive customer relationships to ensure repeat business. Sure, I definitely want you to do that. Some of our customers are great people. And I would say that all of our customers could be great people. I mean, if they pulled into the drive driveway and they wanted us to to fix their vehicle or perform maintenance on it, uh, we have to start off from a, a, a good place. We have to assume that they're good people and they just want honest, hard work, done and they're willing to pay the a fair price for that repair work to be done i think that's good and if you if you can't bring a good attitude with you to work and you can't talk to people as if they're human beings if you're you know you talk down to them or you treat them like shit or maybe you're a racist or maybe you're a misogynist uh, and which would be really bad in this particular day and age uh it might not be the job for you okay you need to to have people like you maybe they don't have to love you Okay, they don't have to love you, but you certainly don't want them to hate you. And and but you don't also have to go too far with it either, okay? You don't want them to hate you, but if you tell them something that they don't want to hear, they're probably going to want to kill the messenger being you. So there's different things that you're going to have to do to help maintain that positive relationship, especially if they need a lot of work done to their car. You say, listen, we got your car in, we threw it up on the rack, we took a look at it, and it's kind of a mess. And I really am hesitant to tell you what's going on with your car because you're going to A, hate me, and B, want to just take your car and leave and maybe come back with a, a bazooka and blow our place up. I want you to know it's your car, and we don't, we look over every car the exactly the same, and we, we, Hope we don't find anything, but on your particular, in your particular situation, we found that your car is extraordinarily unsafe and needs a lot of repair work. And uh, here's how much it's going to cost to do it. And and that's the best you can do, really. You have to, you have to soften the blow. Maybe okay, if it's a big bill and they're not ready for it. Sometimes uh, I've seen service advisors that want to smack people in the face. Uh, I had. I got a good friend of mine who says, uh, "I." Uh, he goes, yeah, that guy bought all that stuff and I poked him right in the eye. You know, um, it's just something to say that says, hey, it hurt him. It hurt him to have to do all this work. He's, I poked him right in the eye. <laughs> uh, uh, last two things, then I want to get to one other thing and then we'll, I'll get the hell off of here, okay? Uh, ensuring all details on services rendered and costs are related to customers and processing their payments. 
yeah, you'd be surprised how many times people have no idea what they're paying for. And when it comes time to pay, they don't know what they're paying for. And they don't know why they're paying so much. When you told them one thing and now all of a sudden it's another thing. And this causes the, the uh, service uh, advisor to run around like a chicken with his head cut off to find out why the parts department build them for four tires instead of just two. And why that there's a, two hours of labor on the alignment instead of just one like you sold for some reason or another. And then you end up discounting this, that, or the other thing to make the bill equal what you told them when what you told them wasn't right. Or maybe it was right and it is wrong what's billed out on the RO. Um, either way, you have to figure that out. And if you have to figure that out in front of the customer, they're not going to be very confident about you and what got done to their car. But if you have it straightened out before they show up, yeah, you know, you say, hey, you know what? We are supposed to charge two hours for an alignment. We only charge one. It was my mistake. But hey, guess what? We're going to give you a, a 50% discount on your alignment today. So yay for you. Uh, it's the last one here that says liaisoning, uh, liaisoning uh, with service technicians about parts ordering and ensuring parts are available when needed. Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, I think if you get an estimate as a service advisor from the parts department, it should say right on it whether or not they fucking have it or not. So you don't really need to contact a service technician. You know why? Because a service technician doesn't work in the parts department, typically. Some do. Uh, I don't. I used to. I don't anymore. If they have the parts, great. If they don't have the parts, well, guess what? That's great, too. Because if I don't have to do it today, I'll do it tomorrow. Or I'll do it when the parts show up. Whatever. Don't bother me with that shit, okay? Go figure out whether or not the parts are here. If you get an estimate from the parts department and they don't put on there that the parts are here or the parts are not here or they have to be special ordered, then you don't have a very good parts department. And I know that some of you actually don't have very good parts departments. And I'm sorry about that. But, uh, you know, there's only so many competent people in the world and they've already got jobs. <laughs> All right. So those are your service advisor those are your service advisor responsibilities, okay? Things that you need to do if you've decided you're going to be a service advisor. Now, one of the problems that I see from my vantage point with service advisors is, and, and you'll get all kinds of people trying to do this job. Some of them, it's pretty obvious right away they're not really cut out for it. Um, I've had excellent service advisors and I've had terrible ones. I just want to put this out there before we end the podcast today. Uh, what I find that I have a lot of trouble with with service advisors is that they do not see the value of what we do as technicians. They do not see the value in having uh, the technicians in that particular repair shop repair a customer's car. And consequently, what they do is they appear to be not confident. They appear to doubt what the mechanics or what the technicians have told them the customer needs. They appear to overly contrite about what should be charged for the diagnosis and the repairs. And uh, let me let me just tell you this right now. The technicians that I work with in the shop I'm in right now, and in, and in fact, all the other shops that I've worked in too, a pretty confident crew, pretty confident crew. They know a lot. They've done a lot. They have experience. They have training. They have everything you need to be a technician. They've got the tools. They got the smarts. They showed up. They're there. They're clean. The bay's clean. Car's up in the air. They've got, you know, they've, they've diagnosed it with the tester. They've diagnosed it with a, with a, with a scan tool, with a test light, maybe a, a multimeter, or maybe they've removed a part and seen that it's just fucked up visually. Whatever it is, they have confidence in what they do. 
So when they tell you what's wrong with the car, you can typically 99% of the time go ahead and believe them. And then when the repair comes down the pike that they have to repair, replace this, that, or the other thing, or maybe they just need to pay labor for a repair of a part that's already in the car and still working, but not right because something, you know, some circuit's bad or whatever. For whatever reason, okay, if you have brought in a car and they have given you a diagnosis and an estimate on repairing it, you can be pretty confident as a service advisor that they know what the fuck they're doing. If you are not confident about what your technicians are doing, you better figure out how to get it because you're going to fail if you don't have that. You have to have confidence in their ability. And maybe you got one guy or another who doesn't do a very good job, but you still, you have to have confidence in the fact that he can do it. And maybe every once in a while he struggles with this, that, or the other thing, okay? But you still need to have confidence because if you waver for one second in front of a customer trying to sell him on getting a repair done in your shop and you don't have the ultimate in confidence in them to get the job done right, they will sense that and they will decline that repair or they will ask for enormous discounts to get it done because you're not sure that they've got the diagnosis right. You need to count on your technicians and I think in a great many cases you can count on your technicians you can you should be able to if you have technicians and you can't count on them and they fuck everything up then get them out recommend that they go somewhere else and do something else for a living okay do that but you need to sell with confidence you need to sell with confidence and you need to remember the value of getting a car repaired in your particular shop if you know the value and you can convey that value to a customer, you are not gonna have trouble selling. If somebody says to you, says, hey, my car won't start, you look at it for half an hour, 45 minutes, and say it needs a starter, it costs, oh, it costs $300, and it's gonna cost 150 to put it in, boom, and then he's gonna be on the road again. Your service advisor should say, well, sir, it looks like your car needs a starter, or you should say your car needs a starter. Okay, you need to be firm and confident about it, and you need to understand the value of the diagnosis and the repair. Okay, and you should always sell them as money, not time. Okay, you say you're a starter. The starter is a, is a has a two year warranty on it, and it's three hundred dollars. Okay, it's a good starter. It's what we put into cars. It's original equipment, whatever it is, whatever values that that particular starter has. Okay, and then you say, and to put it in that labor, the labor to put it in is one hundred and fifty dollars. If you want to, and, and then go ahead, and I say this, this is from a salesman's point of view, go ahead and assume the repair. Go ahead and assume the repair. They've already brought the car to you. You can assume they want to spend money, or at least you can assume that they have bitten the bullet and know they need to spend money. They brought the car to you. That's the first step. It's like a 12-step program. You, you have admitted you have a problem. Step number two is that you'll have to pay to get it fixed. They've admitted to, to steps number one and number two. Assume the sale. Know the value. You say to somebody, it's $300 for the starter, and it's going to be another $150 to put it in, so you're looking at $450 plus tax. You say plus tax to a customer. They get mad at the government and not you. And then they say to you, well, are, are you sure that's what it is? Absolutely, sir. I trust our technicians. I trust them. You should trust them. That's what's wrong with your car. That's going to fix it. And then assume the sale. Just say, you want us to go ahead and fix it? We can have it done for you in probably a couple of hours. When it only takes half an hour to put it in, you say a couple of hours, they will assume that they are going to get their money's worth. You are under-promising. If it's done in half an hour, you've over-delivered. That is the goal of all service advisors, to under-promise and over-deliver. 
All right? Okay. I wanted to add that. That was important for me to put it in there. You need, as a service advisor, to sell the value of having your technicians, your highly skilled, highly trained, highly experienced technicians install that part, do the diagnosis, install the part, and fix your car properly. Oh, yeah, and by the way, here's what else they found. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's enough of me going on and on about service advisors. There's, there's going to be more on the subject. They're really important to the business. Uh, why they're not treated better, I don't know. Uh, some of them, you, I, I got to be honest with you, some service advisors, I can't help but treat them like shit because they're terrible at it. And they're terrible human beings in some cases. Uh, for the most part, however, I've had a lot of great ones. I've only had a couple, two, three duds. Uh, I don't even want to tell you about the duds. I'm just going to get out of here before I say things that I don't mean. <laughs> Not you, Uncle Jimmy. You never do that. <laughs> All right. So listen, if you're if you're working with a service advisor, make sure you let him know that he is selling the value of having you fix their car and that you know what the fuck you're doing. And probably that, selling the value of what you're doing to your service advisor, telling him to sell that, will help him sell. It will help him sell with confidence. It will help him assume the sale. It'll help him get the sale. It'll help him sell other things too, okay? All right, with that said, this is your Uncle Jimmy, and I'm going to sign off now. And when we sign off, uh, you hate this. I know you hate this because I hate it, but I do it every time. I go, see ya. So that is it for this week's episode of Grease the Wheels. Make sure you keep those good reviews coming over there on iTunes. Make sure you keep subscribing to us as well if you're on Spotify or iTunes or any of that good stuff. If you haven't heard it yet, make sure you listen to our tech roundtable. That one dropped this monday well actually it was late sunday night but for most of us it was monday and uh that was a really really fun episode awesome fun to edit those guys travis and kirk are hilarious can't wait to hear from them again also if you haven't done it recently go check out the wrenching network if you're on there right now make sure you you get involved you comment on stuff you like stuff uh we're over there Always start a conversation with us over there because you never know what it's going to lead to. It might lead to the next great episode of Grease the Wheels. You never know. We're doing some really fun stuff with them coming up as well. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Also have some shout outs to get to as well. We got Zach and the boys out there in the oil patch out in Alberta, Canada. Uh, They are apparently a huge listener base and they keep that crude of flowing so keep up the good work boys also got another one here this one came after our mercedes-benz episode and this one came all the way from norway our buddy torfin was talking to us about the history of alfa romeo so this one's going out to roger from torfin uh torfin's working on alphas and Apparently, he wants us to look into doing an episode on the brand Alfa Romeo, and we are definitely going to do that because that was an awesome, awesome brand, and all the stuff that you filled us in on was really, really cool. So thank you, Torfin. Hi, Roger. And finally, this last shout-out goes back to our hometown of Rochester, New York, to the little speed shop. We are saying hi to Kevin, Jill, Frankie, and all the lads over there at the little speed shop. We absolutely cannot wait to do a live show from the shop. And, uh, you know, if you got a race car and you live in New York and you're serious about it, 
get your ass over to the little speed shop. They can hook you up. They can make it right. They can make it fast. They can do whatever you want to do to it. Or, you know, even your daily driver, whatever you drive, they can get it right. They're the little speed shop, Rochester, New York. Check them out. And we haven't talked about it in a while, but if you have a couple of extra bucks to kick our way, make sure you go over there to patreon.com slash grease the wheels. That is where you can throw us a couple of bucks. It helps us uh, with some of the costs of hosting the the podcast, which uh, we're actually looking into uh, possibly changing our hosting, which that might be a little bit expensive to keep our whole back catalog because we have almost 100 episodes now, and some of them are some of them are pretty damn long. So we are uh, looking into that. If anybody has any information on that as well, make sure you email us, greasethewheelspodcast at gmail.com. If you have any show ideas, that's where to reach us as well, or on Facebook dot com slash grease the wheels we're always always listening and responding to comments and talking with people it's a good time over there we really we really love talking to you guys and it keeps us making a good show you know that's that's what we're all about so take care everybody see you next week